Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Thinking Theologically podcast, the show where we teach you how and why you ought to think theologically. I am your host, Jack Dodgen, joined by our resident theologian in training, Spencer Shaw. Spencer, how are you doing? Good, good. Um, you know, school started, speaking of a theologian in training, my right, right. theological training has begun once again. And so, is it all online for you? It is all online. It uh, they OC's not doing everything online, but one of my sure. classes was already an online class, uh, online Greek. That'll be fun. Um, but Yikes. my <laughs> my other class, um, my professor uh, has some cancer that's come back, and so he's been doing treatment, mm. um, for. Actually, since last semester, as, as far as I know, he's he's doing fine. He just, uh, you know, that just kind of kills your immune system. So he's taking right. all of his classes online just to kind of protect himself. So at least this semester we're all online. So do you have to watch those live or can you go watch them kind of on your own time? Greek is all on your own. It's all kind of That's preloaded great. and stuff <laughs> because... Greek's a lot of just having to work on your own to memorize stuff, right. words, vocabulary. Right. And um, the other class is live. We have a live three-hour lecture Tuesday uh, afternoon into the, the evening um, where we – it's it's uh, it's really – most of my theology classes are really just discussion stuff. It's like, okay, read sure. this chapter – write a little reflection paper to help you think about it, and then we'll talk about the concepts and discuss how we agree and disagree with one another and with the author that we're reading and that kind of thing. So not too Very bad. Very good. Well, you're, not too bad. you're getting back into school uh, a week from when this is uploaded. Uh, I will be officially moving into... Uh, my new home in Midwest City, Oklahoma. I just started a new job there as the uh, pulpit preacher. No longer an associate anywhere. Pulpit preacher in uh, the Eastside Church Christ in Midwest City. And I, I've, I will have been there like two weeks, but making the commute from where I am near Tulsa uh, to there for the last two weeks. So that's why this one's a little late, uh, but everything should get back on track being a new office, all that stuff. So That'll be good. You'll be up here closer to me. I will be closer to you. I don't know if that's good or bad, but we'll we'll find out. You've already invited me to golf. I've invited you to disc golf. We'll probably just end up playing basketball together. Probably. As it should be. That's the way. All right, before we get into today's episode on the change from the word Yahweh in 2 Samuel 24 to Satan in 1 Chronicles 21, which we teased at the end of uh, the last episode. Before we get on all, into all of that, I want to remind you uh, to go to strongchurch.org for not just these episodes, but also uh, loads of other podcasts, including a book review podcast called Too Many Books. If you are a fan of reading, uh, that's a good one to check out. Uh, and a number of articles on culture and various other Bible topics and navigating those things at strongchurch.org. And if you want to reach us, strongchurchministries at gmail.com. Any comments, criticisms, or suggest topics for us to cover here uh, thinking on thinking theologically. I, I imagine Spencer will have a few more now that school is gearing back up. He'll have some uh, 
new topics of discussion for us to get to. But oh, I've got let us know what you're thinking stuff. about. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Let us know what you're thinking about uh, and get those to us, and we'll uh, try to get to those as well. All right, here is the topic at hand for today. Both 2 Samuel 24, 1 through 10, and 1 Chronicles 21, 1 through 17, and, and we won't read through those sections today, but we encourage you to read through those. Both of those sections recount the story of David's census. In trying to harmonize these two, two accounts, the primary interpretive problem is the shift from Yahweh, inciting David to issue a census, census in 2 Samuel 24, to Satan inciting David in 1 Chronicles 21. So we have a change in the two words, the, the, the thing responsible for uh, David's census here. And so our question today, what we're going to be dealing with, is how do we reconcile this issue? Spencer, I'll kick that over to you. How do we, how do we reconcile this change in the word Yahweh to Satan? Yeah, so I kind of want to begin and just... Make sure that, you know, like you said, I would encourage everyone to go and read those two passages. They're not very long to kind of familiar familiarize yourself with the story. Um, mm-hmm. But what's going on there is in Second Samuel 24, you have uh, Yahweh is said, or God is said to incite David to uh, make the census, to count or to number the people. And David goes and, and does that and then uh, realizes that he has sinned against God and the, the punishment uh, for David is God kind of gives David three options. Of These are three things that can happen uh, to you, a, a famine on the land, pestilence on the land, or that David can be running from his enemies for a, a period of time. And David's told to choose, he kind of puts it into God's hands uh, rather than him running from enemies. He says, I would rather uh, kind of be accountable to God. God sends an angel to come and bring about a pestilence upon the land of Israel. And prior to this angel destroying or bringing some kind of destruction upon Jerusalem, God um, stops the angel. That's kind of the, the general a storyline there in Second Samuel. First Chronicles is the exact same storyline. The only difference is that instead of God causing David to count or to number the people, it says that Satan causes David to count or number the people. And then after that, the story is the exact same. So we have these two stories, and we have this change from in Samuel, God's causing David to do this. Chronicles, it said that Satan is causing David to do this. So not only do you have the problem of how do we reconcile this seeming contradiction of who's causing David to count the people, but the problem is actually deepened a little bit uh, if you recognize that it seems to be the scholarly consensus that 2 Samuel was written before 1 Chronicles. Now, there's people that would disagree with that, but from the research that I've done, it seems that most would agree with that statement that Chronicles was written after. So not only do you have a uh, difference in who, but if Chronicles was written after, then the author of Chronicles, the chronicler, if you will, would have known the story in 2 Samuel when he was writing his version of the story. And if that's true, then the author of Chronicles intentionally 
changed from Yahweh to Satan in his story. And so that kind of just deepens this problem. It's not just that we have these two stories written independent from one another that seem to contradict and asking how do we reconcile that, but it actually appears that the author of Chronicles knew the original um that the the author of Chronicles knew the story in 2 Samuel and made an intentional change there. So that just kind of deepens our trouble with these two stories. Yeah, if it wasn't hard enough already. Um, we uh, just for purposes of, of, well, how long it was between the last episode, we'll review here a little bit what we talked about in the last episode of the use of Satan in the Old Testament. But we, we want to say this here too as well. This is not an issue of inspiration uh, as far as Spencer and I are concerned at all. We're just, when we talk about reconciling, it's not a matter of uh, who's right, who's wrong sort of thing. It's a matter of uh, why why this word, why why is it used here and a different word used in the other place, that sort of thing. So if there are any questions in your mind as far as, well, do these guys think that uh, the chronicler just didn't care about, should, should it be in scripture? Yes, it should. Uh, it's not a question of inspiration for us. It's a question of how do we reconcile the use of two different words? It happens in other books as well, and we'll talk about those things at another time, I'm sure, too. Um, Spencer, can you review for us a little bit uh, use the use of Satan in the Old Testament? What did right. we cover last time? Right. And before I do that, I just want to kind of piggyback on what you just said. You know, we I, I believe that both of these passages are equally inspired, and part of the reason that we're doing this is because of that is it seems like there's a contradiction there, but as we delve into it, I don't, because it's inspired, I don't think they do contradict, but we do need to understand right. uh, how they don't, because at a surface level, it appears like they do, and it's like, well, there's, it's kind of hard to reconcile Yahweh and Satan being the same being, but um, hopefully we'll be able to do that a little bit here in a minute to show how they are harmonized together, just speaking from a slightly different perspective about the events yeah, yeah. Uh, similar to gospel writers and things like that. But to kind of review just briefly what we talked about in the last podcast, because in the last podcast we talked about how the word Satan, the Hebrew word Satan, is used in the Old Testament. And the we- reason we did a little uh, discussion about how it's used in the Old Testament was to prepare us for this discussion. Because to be able to figure out how to reconcile these two passages, we need to understand how that word that the chronicler uses, the word Satan, uh, how that's used in the Old Testament to kind of help us figure out how he may be using it. And so if you remember uh, from listening to the last podcast, we talked about how the uh, word Satan— comes from that Hebrew word satan, which means an accuser or an adversary, um, maybe even an opposer, someone who stands against someone else in some form or fashion. Uh, we, we also talked about how Satan, as the character that we see in the New Testament, this evil being that is opposed to God, this character does not show up in the Old Testament. We talked about how that doesn't mean he doesn't exist, but simply that the people of the Old Testament did not yet have the understanding 
of the existence of this evil being that came to be known as Satan. Um, it, it's also interesting, and we'll get into this uh, in uh, as we kind of go through some of the interpretive options here, uh, but I just want to note that as Satan is used in First Chronicles, it's used without an article. An article is typically typically glossed or translated as the, and so it doesn't show up as the Satan, it just shows up as Satan or Satan, and uh, we talked a little bit about the article in the last podcast, but I just wanted to kind of remind you that the word is not used to refer to our New Testament Satan in the Old Testament. It's the word is used to talk about some kind of being or person or force that opposes or is an adversary to someone or even as an accuser kind of in a uh, law court type of kind of like a prosecuting attorney. And so that's just important for us to remember as we kind of move into trying to reconcile these two accounts of this story. Yeah, and if you want a little more information on that, that very quick uh, brief summary there. You can go listen to the previous episode. I believe it's just Satan. Who is Satan in the Old Testament, I think, is what that's titled. But it's on strongchurch.org uh, under our podcast there. And, and we fleshed out a lot more uh, those those things that were briefly just mentioned now uh, in summary. So go and listen to that one if you need more info there. Uh, and then come back to this. Because we're going to discuss really five kind of in, uh, interpretive options here. Five possible options. Who is, uh, why, why Satan, Satan in uh, the Chronicles? Why, why is it used by the Chronicler here uh, in the change from Yahweh from, from 2 Samuel? So we'll just kind of go through these one at a time. I'll, I'll, I'll list what the option is, and then Spencer will go through some of the, the pros and cons, and uh, at the end, maybe give us kind of which way he leans and uh, which one or any or all he has issues with uh, in, in coming down on. So number one is that Satan here in the Chronicles is an arch enemy of God, which uh, we would say is uh, historical the, the historical interpretation of this passage. Can you give us some pros and cons on uh, Satan being the arch enemy of God here? Yeah, so uh, if you kind of grabbed... Um, commentaries. If you went and grabbed every commentary on First Chronicles, uh, the majority of them would interpret Satan in First Chronicles as the New Testament Satan, this arch enemy of God, this being that's opposed to God. And some of the reasons in favor of interpreting Satan in that way in First Chronicles is. Uh, some people have made the argument that this is the final stage of an Old Testament development of this superhuman New Testament Satan, as we kind of talked about in the last podcast. They didn't have, in the Old Testament, they didn't have this understanding of this evil being who came to be known as Satan, but their understanding of the existence of this being developed over time. By the time we get to the New Testament, Jews did have this understanding of the existence of this being. And so some make the argument that what we see in Chronicles is actually the final development of this understanding, that at this point, Jews now had an understanding of the existence of 
this being. Uh, some will make the argument that uh, Satan in Chronicles is this evil being because it clears Yahweh, it clears God of any wrongdoing. You know, it says that David was incited to count or number the people by God in 2 Samuel. And then at the end of 2 Samuel, David says, by doing this, he has sinned against God. And so some would say that that shows that God actually caused David to sin, right? And the author of Chronicles didn't like that, and so changed it to this evil being of Satan to kind of say, see, God didn't actually do anything wrong. It wasn't God. It was this evil being, Satan. And so you'll see some people try to make that argument for why the uh, chronicler uses Satan. But uh, a lot of people will just say that what Satan seems to do in this story uh, seems like the Satan that we see in later Jewish and Christian uh, tradition and writings and teaching in the time of the New Testament and past that. Because like I said, uh, whatever David does in counting or numbering the people ends up being wrong and God punishes punishes him for it. And so some would say we'll see that appears to be the work of Satan as we see him in the New Testament, for example. Um, but you may have already picked up on it when I've described it. That leads to a lot of problems if we interpret mm-hmm. First Chronicles in that way. One simply has to do with dating. Uh, the earliest use we have of the word Satan referring to a proper name, the the evil being that we as Christians think of, that we see referenced in the New Testament, for example. The earliest mm-hmm. time that this being is referred to is in Jubilees and the Assumption of Moses, which is uh, pseudepigraphical uh, Jewish works, uh, the Jewish writings that uh, aren't considered inspired, aren't considered part of Jewish scripture. And so we see that use in Jubilees and the Assumption of Moses, which both date between 200 to 100 B.C., whereas 1 Chronicles is typically dated to about 515 B.C., so a good three to 400 years earlier, Chronicles is being written before you ever see the use of Satan referring to this evil being. And so... It, it doesn't seem very likely that it would be used that way in First Chronicles and then never used that way again in Jewish writings for another 300 years. That just doesn't seem right, to make right. sense. And when you study Jewish language, it's kind of hard to see the development of the word uh, developing into that usage so early. Um, but the main problems, at least for uh, me, one have to do with Chronicles, Uh, In Chronicles, uh, the chronicler does not try to clean up Yahweh's actions. That's not to say that I I think anywhere in Chronicles do we see God doing something that we would consider wrong, but there's times where we've really got to do some work to figure out what's going on here, because like this text, on the surface level, it could seem like God's doing something wrong, but the author of Chronicles doesn't try to clear that up or deal with uh, some of those problems that we may have on a surface reading anywhere else. For example, in Second Chronicles 18, God sends an evil spirit upon Ahab. At first sight, it may see, well, is that okay for God to do? It is. Maybe we'll talk about that text at another time. 
Uh, God causes Rehoboam to ignore wise counsel, 2 Chronicles 10. Again, that's an instance where you got to do a little bit more study, figure out what's exactly going on there, what God is doing. So uh, to try to clean things up just doesn't fit with Chronicles. But my main problem would be that if the author of Chronicles is using Satan to refer to the evil being we see in the New Testament— and if Chronicles was written after 2 Samuel, and if the author um, knew the story in 2 Samuel, which I believe he did, then the author of Chronicles would intentionally be contradicting the story in 2 Samuel for one reason or another. Uh, and kind of as we mentioned at the beginning, because of the inspiration of, of Scripture, I I don't believe that that's what's occurring. And so we, I don't think, can accept that interpretation because, like I said, that leads to the only option would be that the author is intentionally contradicting Second Samuel. So unless you're okay with an intentional contradiction, I think we kind of have to right. reject this option of the chronicler intentionally making that change to you know, make Yahweh look better or something like that. Um, to me, that's the biggest issue that we have with this option. Right. Um, so that's that's number one, and obviously you're not very high on that because of uh, because of what the logical conclusion of that would be. It would yeah. seem to be a, just a direct contradiction. Option number two. Uh, here is that Satan is a human adversary or a, a military opponent of of David, people of Israel, and, and all of this. So what are some of the pros and cons of that interpretation? Yeah, so uh, like you said, some see Satan being used here, the, the Hebrew Satan, uh, as a human military opponent. Again, remember in the Old Testament, the, the Hebrew word Satan is used to speak of an opponent or an adversary or an accuser, not of this evil being, which was one of the problems with option number one. And there are several strengths to seeing Satan being used to refer to a military opponent. Uh, one is that the context of First Chronicles 18 through 20, those three chapters leading up to this story in First Chronicles 21, all speak of David's military accomplishments. And so if you connect chapter 21 with the three chapters going before, you're in the context of speaking about military operations, uh, military conquests, and things of that nature. Uh, you could also make the argument that the census that David gives is a census in preparation for war. Uh, for example, mm -hmm. if you go and read these two stories in 2 Samuel 24 and verse 8, the result of the census, it says that there's so many valiant men, is what the ESV uses. The NRSV calls them soldiers. And in First Chronicles 21 and verse 5, the men who are counted are said to be men who draw the sword. And so it seems that maybe this census was counting up, okay, how many fighting men do we have, in other words? How many men do we have that could go to war? which seems, again, to connect this story with the discussion of David's military accomplishments in the three chapters preceding the story in First Chronicles. 
And so you can make the argument that what this uh, opposer is, is some kind of human military. And you have this military that's wanting to come upon and to attack the people of Israel. And so this opponent is what causes David to say, okay, I now need to go count the people. I need to count and see how many men we have who are ready to fight against this Satan, against this opposing army that's coming against us. And so that's one way to understand the story there in First Chronicles. But again, there are some problems with this interpretation. There'll be problems with every interpretation, uh, just to kind of mention that. Uh, one is that the word incite that's used there, that Satan incited David to do this census, the word incite is typically used to refer to a cynical act of persuasion. And so it would be a strange word to use to refer to an opposing military. You know, it's used to uh, say that I tricked you uh, to do something wrong or that I um, maybe uh, did something to cause you to get mad uh, to go and do something. That's the way inciting is used. It's which would be strange to say that an entire military, you know, uh, did something to cause you or incite you to do something would be just kind of a strange word to use there. But sure. also one problem is there's actually no army that's ever mentioned in the story. And so, yeah, it could be an army, but it's making an interpretation based on something that's not explicitly ever mentioned. We never get a mention of any kind of opposing army in the story. And so those are two uh, issues that come along with interpreting it in this way. Yeah, normally you'd have, uh, they drew up in battle against, and uh, the the Old Testament did not have any issue with labeling the people that they were fighting with. Right, you would expect and so the, them to be right. named. Yeah, you would expect, because there is no problem with it prior to this, of just labeling out, and here's, here's who they're going up against, but not mentioned here, so... Uh, not big problems, and, and as you said, all of these will have their own uh, cons that somebody could say, yeah, well, but what about this? Um, but uh, not the same as like with number one. Um, interpretation number three is that Satan in the Chronicles here is a, a heavenly accuser, uh, some sort of prosecuting attorney here. So what are the pros and cons of this one? Yeah, so uh, one of the pros is that we see the word uh, Satan used in this way in the Old Testament. If you listen to our last podcast, one of the examples we gave was the use of Satan <coughs> in um, Zechariah chapter 3, where mm -hmm. it seems to be used in the form of an accuser, like you said, kind of like a prosecuting attorney. Zechariah 3 seems to be kind of a courtroom scene going on in the heavenly council there with God, and you have this Satan, this accuser, some kind of heavenly being who's functioning in this role. And so some would say that it's being used here in Chronicles, just like the word is used in Zechariah chapter 3. And some other strengths with that is some will make the argument that God's wrath in 2 Samuel 24 is a legalistic expression. And so God's wrath is presented in 2 Samuel, 
which as we mentioned, it seems to me that the author of Chronicles would have known the story in 2 Samuel 24, but that God's wrath that comes against David for what David does is presented in a way where it's kind of like a uh, a legalistic wrath. It's a punishment from being found guilty in a court, that it's kind of presented in that terms. And sure. so um, you could say that if, if that's the case, then the author of Chronicles is staying true to his source in 2 Samuel 24. He's not trying to contradict that story. He's simply using the word Satan to show how God in this story is functioning like a prosecuting attorney, like a judge uh, against David. And so that's one way to uh, look at it, that it's just this court scene that's being envisioned where God is the prosecuting attorney or that God is the judge. David is kind of the defendant. David is found guilty for what he has done, and so God's going to issue this punishment as the judge against David. And so the word Satan here would be used to refer to God in this role of accuser or this role of judge, this role of prosecuting attorney. Um, now, there are some problems with this because there does seem to be a distinction between the use in Zechariah 3 and in 1 Chronicles. In Zechariah 3, uh, the Satan is uh, said to be standing to the right of, which there's a fairly good argument that that's the way that you would refer to like a prosecuting attorney. Someone in a, a kind of a courtroom setting would stand to the right of, which is different than standing up against Um it says in First Chronicles that the Satan stood up against David to incite him to count or to number the people. So there does seem to be a distinction there between the role that the Satan is functioning, the role of standing to the right of versus the role of standing up against. Seems to show that they may be being used in a different way. But also we talked about the use of the article in the last podcast. But in Zechariah 3, Satan has the article, so it's the Satan which in Hebrew is used like we would talk about the president or the quarterback, a role or a position or a job. Whereas in First Chronicles, it doesn't have the article. It's not the Satan, it's just Satan. And so the problem there of seeing Satan as some kind of role or job, you get a problem there just because it doesn't have the article. It would be like just saying quarterback, not the quarterback or mm president, not the president. So seeing it as a role that someone is feeling like the role of attorney or judge, um, there's some problems there just because you would expect it to have the article in the same way that you would expect it in English. Yeah, there there again, uh, there's precedents in other places, as you talked about, like with Zechariah 3. There, there are is precedent for the article and what it means and the lack of one here would seem to indicate something else. And so, uh, again, problems, but not as, not like what we saw with the first one. So a couple, couple interpretations here that have merit, I guess we'll say it that way. Yeah. Number four is that the Satan is a, a heavenly opponent here to, to David in the Chronicles version. Uh, what are some pros and cons for this? 
Yeah, so kind of like the last one, this is built upon connecting the use of Satan in First Chronicles to someplace else that we see that word used in the Old Testament to kind of find a precedent for it being used sure. this way. And so as a heavenly opponent, some will connect Satan in First Chronicles to the use of Satan in the prologue of Job, which we talked about in the last podcast as well, that the... Satan in the prologue of Job seems to be some being of the heavenly council. And uh, I would recommend if you haven't listened to go back and listen to my argument there about why that seems to be the best interpretation. Um, But there are some strong connections between Satan in both of these stories in Job and in first Chronicles. One is that Satan is said to incite Job in the prologue of Job, um, as well as the Satan in First Chronicles, is inciting David, and so you have the same word used for what the what Satan is doing. He's inciting in both of these stories, um, and so if that's the case, what the chronicler would be doing is better explaining how God incites David. So it's still God doing the inciting, like we see in Second Samuel twenty four but that God is inciting David through some kind of heavenly opponent. I think the best way uh, to understand this would be um, that God is probably doing it through an angel. You know, we see throughout the Old Testament that a lot of the times God goes about doing his work through an angel. And so you could say that the angel did it, or you could say that God did it, and you would be right in both instances because it's God doing it through this mediator of an angel, sure. for example. And we actually see God doing that at the end of the story in both Second Samuels and First Chronicles. The one who brings the pestilence upon Israel, the one who God stops from destroying Jerusalem, is an angel. It's actually an angel who brings about the punishment that God says he's going to bring to David. And so you could make the argument that At the beginning of the story, it's the same angel that God's using to incite David, and then God's using the same angel at the end of the story to bring about the punishment um, in a similar way to what we see in Job. And so what the author of Chronicles, like I said, would be doing is just better explaining how God goes about doing this. So the author of 2 Samuel just says, hey, God's the one doing this, um, which is true. But God's doing it through an angel, and so the author of Chronicles is just making that more clear that God's using uh, some kind of mediation in bringing this about. And so in the same way, some connect the use of Satan here to the story of Balaam. In the Balaam story, there's an angel that stands in the middle of the road to block the path of Balaam and his donkey, and the angel is referred to as a Satan, as a Satan, as an opposer Uh, to Balaam. And what's interesting about the connection here is that the only other place in the Old Testament where Satan is used without an article to refer to some kind of heavenly being is in the story of Balaam, which, as I mentioned, that's a big problem with trying to figure out who's Satan referring to because we don't have the article. Uh, But the article is actually not used in the story of Balaam. And again, you have the strength with there's an angel at the end of the story in 2 Samuel and 1 Chronicles. Um, so, again, if you connected it to Balaam, it's the same thing as with Job, that 
God is the one doing it, but he's doing it through an angel. And so the author of Chronicles is just better explaining for us how God goes about inciting David. Um, some of the problems is that the word incite, which is the connection with back with Job and First Chronicles, right. is also used in 2 Samuel 24. And so you could make the argument that... Uh, the author of Chronicles isn't making a connection back to the use of Satan and Job, but he's just copying directly from Second Samuel um, in using that word. And mm-hmm. so that there's actually no connection with Job. It's connecting more to Second Samuel than back to Job. Um, you also have the problem of the article not being used. Like I said, if you're talking about some kind of being fulfilling a position of opposer or accuser, you would expect the article like you have in Job, like you have in Zechariah, um, but you don't have in Chronicles, which you also don't have, as I mentioned, in the story of Balaam in Numbers 22, which makes a strong connection there. But it's still strange for it to be used to refer to some kind of being without the article. And so that's going to be a problem with most of these, actually. So words for strength and some words for... Uh, the the weaknesses there as well in that viewpoint. Our fifth and final one here uh, is probably the shortest of them, uh, that the Satan yeah. is an anonymous adversary. Just some indefinite noun here. Yeah, that it's, uh, yeah, it's really just not just, being used as a position or anything. It's just right. being used as a common noun, like we would, you know, uh, ball or card or cup or something like that, just a, a general noun, uh, which is typically how it would be used without the article. Sure. Um, so uh, not referring to a being or to a role or something like that, just used as a common noun. Obviously, the strength of that is that that's typically how the word would be used without an article. Um as we've talked about, uh, the problems there is just when you read the story, it seems like you've got some kind of being fulfilling the role of opposer or accuser. I mean, sure. I just I have a difficult time understanding why the word would be used in any other way than to talk about because you've got some kind of being that is inciting David, not just some general opposition. Um, especially when you think about the connection back to Second Samuel and that it's God doing the inciting. Um, right. It makes more sense that the author of Chronicles is just trying to better explain how God is doing this, whether if you take the connection to Zechariah and say, well, it's he's presenting God as kind of judge, um, or the connection to either Job or the story of Balaam, God's using an angel to go about doing this. Uh, so it would seem that just seems more likely than saying, well, it's just a common noun, just talking about some kind of general opposition, but nothing specific. It just doesn't seem to make sense if, and that's kind of built upon understanding Second Samuel as preceding First Chronicles. If you sure. made the argument to flip that, then it would make sense because you would be going from more general in Chronicles to more specific in Second Samuel. It just doesn't make sense that you'd go the other way, that you'd go from specific to general. It makes more sure. sense to go from general to specific. So so very quickly here as we wrap up, 
Are there any of these interpretations that you uh, lean more towards? And are there any of these interpretations that you're like, yeah, this one's out, uh, not an acceptable one or, or something like that? Well, I, I kind of mentioned this. I think we have to throw out the first one. Uh, one, because Satan's just not used that way in the Old Testament as a uh, this evil being that's opposed to God. But if that's the case, then there's a direct contradiction between these two passages. And it seems to me that the author of Chronicles is intentionally contradicting 2 Samuel. And based on the way that I'm assuming all of us believe in the inspiration of Scripture, that's just, I don't think, an interpretation we can accept. Uh, That there's a direct and intentional contradiction. So I think you have to eliminate that one. But the other ones, I think it's just kind of up to you. I think they all have strengths, that they all have weaknesses uh, to them. And so I think any of the other ones you can accept. I lean very, very little, but I do lean just slightly towards some kind of heavenly opponent. Uh, Specifically, the connection to the story of Balaam is the one that seems to maybe have a little bit more strength to it that what the author sure. of Chronicles is doing is just better explaining how God incites David, that God does it through an angel, through some kind of intermediary. Um, and so you can say, you could just as easily say that God's doing it, like Second Samuel does, or you can say that a Satan or an opponent is doing it, like First Chronicles does, that God's doing it through some kind of other agent. But then again, you can make the argument that God's doing that through an army, too. I mean, we see God doing his work in that way, too, uh, even though an army is never mentioned. But it seems to me at least that that's what's going on, that the author of Chronicles is just better explaining how God's inciting David, that he's doing it through some kind of intermediary. So that would give lean maybe to an angel, maybe even to an army, maybe just a slight lean that way. But like I said, you could also just as easily make the argument that it's just presenting God as a judge or, I mean, even that it's just used very, very generally. So they all kind of work. Just take whichever one, honestly, that you think best explains the evidence. Um, But I lean more towards some kind of intermediary uh, angel, something like that. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh Outside of one, really, you got four other options there, and that's that's part of what uh, that's part of what we're trying to do here. Thinking theologically is uh, whether we come to a definite this is the answer. Some, sometimes there are things that are just not ours to know on this side of uh, of eternity, but it sure is a good exercise in thinking through and trying to determine okay, what what exactly is taking place here and and why is it phrased this way as opposed to this way uh, in a similar passage so continue to think about this and you know find out why why you land where you land and let us know what you think about that you can email us at strongchurchministries at gmail.com and give us your thoughts on today's episode comments or questions about any of them and give us some topics for us to discuss uh, here maybe in the future a little bit Again, check out uh, the previous episodes we've recorded. They're all they're all pretty good, I think. And they all for, do a very good job of explaining what it means to think theologically. And we've even presented some other uh, fun textual looks uh, here in some previous episodes. So 
Be sure to check those out and continue to think theologically in all things. I'm Jack. That's Spencer. This has been Thinking Theologically. We'll see you next time.